Parks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing how isochoric freezing could drastically reduce carbon emissions and Hershey testing an oat-based chocolate bar. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, food industry journalist and webinar moderator at xtalks.com. And this week, I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Mira Nabolsi. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story about freezing and a new freezing technology that could drastically reduce carbon emissions. So freezing is uh, known as a relatively safe and cost-effective way to preserve food, but it also requires a lot of energy and produces carbon emissions, which is something that we often overlook. But a new approach to freezing called isochoric freezing could be a more sustainable alternative to the traditional methods that we're used to both at home and uh, in the food industry. So in the story, I talk a little bit about how it works compared to traditional freezing freezing methods and how it could be widely adopted in the food and beverage industry. So first, I'll start a little bit off about what traditional freezing entails. So freezing is has always been sort of encouraged as a way to cut down on food waste and sort of extend a life cycle of a food product. But there are several downsides to it as well. So currently, frozen foods are stored under constant pressure called isobaric conditions or isobaric conditions um, at sub-freezing zero temperatures. So though this method has been used for a very, very long time and it's regarded as the industry standard, uh, it can also degrade the textural and nutritional quality of the food. So I'm sure you've experienced that before, either with produce or with meat. Uh, Often the flavor is just not as good or the texture has changed over time. So it's not the best for the food itself. However, it's still really good at extending the Um, you know, the life cycle of the food. But freezing not only causes that flavor nutrient loss, but it also comes at a high cost in terms of energy usage and carbon emissions. So how it works is, as I'm sure you know, um, conventional freezing, you expose the food to air, to very cold air, to freeze it um, solid at temperatures below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. And this often requires energy-intensive cold storage protocols like quick freezing to avoid that ice crystal formation. Uh, But the cooling industry is extremely important for transportation and preservation of food. However, it accounts for around 10% of global CO2 emissions, uh, which was kind of a shocking number to me. So as global temperatures continue to rise as a result of climate change, the demand for cooling is also going to continue to rise. Uh, But now this new freezing technology, isochoric freezing, could be the more sustainable solution. So how that works um, is that the technology relies on storing food items in a firm sealed container made of metal or plastic and filled with liquid, generally water, and placing it in a freezer. 
So unlike conventional freezing, the new method doesn't turn food into a solid block of ice, but rather um, only a portion of the volume of water in the container is frozen. And as long as the food remains in that liquid portion, it is also safe from ice crystallization. So the new method could not only improve the safety and quality of the foods, but also save uh, energy and reduce carbon emissions. And a new study from the USDA, uh, the USDA's Agriculture Research Service and University of California, Berkeley, they said that uh, this isochoric freezing could cut energy use by as much as 6.5 billion kilowatt hours each year while reducing the carbon emissions that go along with generating that power by 4.6 billion kilograms. So where does this energy saving come from? Well, the scientists say that it comes from not having to freeze the foods completely solid, which uses a huge amount of energy. And plus, there's no need to resort to those energy-intensive cold storage protocols like quick freezing to avoid that ice crystal formulation. So it allows produce like tomatoes and berries to stay firm um, and not sort of be turned into mush. And this method of preservation works for most fruits and vegetables as well. And another benefit is that it can also kill microbial contaminants during processing. So the research team is now working on adapting this technology for the frozen foods industry and scaling up the technology to an industrial level. And they're also seeking commercial partnerships to help transfer the technology more broadly to the commercial sector. So it's really not a huge uh, difference from traditional freezing, aside from, you know, putting the food in a container with water and then allowing some of the water to freeze and the contents within it to remain cold uh, as well. So what are your initial thoughts on this new technology? Um, And does it sort of make you rethink Uh, you know, the cooling industry and how much energy and carbon emissions that it produces. Absolutely. Um, You know, we typically don't really, when it comes to, you know, the food space, we, we think about all the carbon emissions coming from the actual growing of the foods and then, you know, transporting them and all transporting foods and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think this area of, of freezing um, has is kind of disregarded or isn't really like as mainstream as sort of the other areas around food. And I think this new technique or technology is really, really cool if that if it can actually reduce um well as the scientists are saying um reduce carbon emissions and preserve the integrity of the food which is great because i'm not a fan of freezing foods like fruits and vegetables because they turn into mush as you said uh so this is a win-win um if this technology can uh, be developed further and um come into application Yeah, I was going to say it's shocking to know that the freezing process is actually really bad for the environment. I Mm -hmm. I don't know why that wasn't. Yeah, that that never crossed my mind. So then it shocks me to know that it took this long to develop something (laughs) to stop that. So um, this seems like a um, interesting new innovation, I think. And such a simple change that could cut energy. I think that's the most important part here. A lot of things that we see, I don't know, Sydney, if you agree with me, but a lot of things that we're seeing nowadays in the news is about how to actually cut 
the use of energy in the food that we typically eat, whether that's in transport or uh, the production or the, you know, technology used to, I don't know, anything really. So it's interesting to see that this is tackling it from the freezing perspective. I think, yeah, I think this is a cool story. Yeah, were you guys ever told as kids, you know, don't leave the freezer, the refrigerator door open, like you're wasting energy? Yeah. That's that's kind of what I was thinking of when I was (laughs) like writing this story, like, oh, yeah, but I don't know why that's the case. Like, I always just figured like, oh, no, that's kind of a myth. But I think I think freezing, um, much like heating as well, requires a lot of of energy. And um, (laughs) I've never really looked at the breakdown of my utilities bill, but I would imagine that a lot lot of it comes from uh, the fridge and it being plugged in all the time um, and the freezer as well. But um, I would definitely be interested to, you know, try a, like a fruit or vegetable that was frozen with this method and kind of compare it and see if it really does stack up in terms of it it tasting better and holding its its firmness more and keeping in those nutrients as well. Because if this technology really does say what it will do in terms of cutting down emissions and keeping the, the, mm-hmm. the food more fresh and better, then I think it's a win-win and I think it should be widely adopted. And I also think it's one of those things that it's not too difficult to, um, you know, adopt as well. It just maybe requires a little bit more, um, I guess, different different freezers or less intense um, freezing technology and then some containers as well. But yeah. Yeah, I don't see it being that, well, you know, I'm not in this area, but um, to sort of implement this in uh, supply chains, right? Um, like it, it just sounds like um, you would use alternate containers and of course adding things like water and and uh, things like that. So it doesn't seem like it's it's going to require like an overhaul of uh, cold uh, cold supply chains or anything like that. So I, if this is if this can be easily something that can be implemented, I think that's 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 great for sure. Well, all right, Mira, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Sydney. So um, Hershey's is expanding its Better For You segment. Um, they're catering to this uh, new hip consumer group that looks for organic, plant-based, and fair trade products. So currently, um, they're exploring and developing new products in the segment because they see that the plant-based products are the fastest growing in the Better For You category. So Hershey's um, produced a chocolate bar called Hershey's Oatmade chocolate bars, um, which is the company's newest oat milk based innovation. So the company started its R&D research um, journey to find the best offerings in the market for plant-based candy and wanted to make it even better. So to differentiate themselves, they developed a formula using oats because they considered them to be the preferred milk-based substitute or alternative among all the other plant-based offerings in the market. Uh, The company is currently trying to validate their Hershey's oat-made chocolate products by doing a real-time in-market testing, which will help them manage the uncertainty and measure the additional benefits of adding this chocolate to their portfolio. So the bars were launched as part of a limited edition test, and it will end in June uh, 2022. So the results from this in-market test will determine whether the product will go national or not in the future. 
So in addition to Hershey's, um, in addition, Hershey's will analyze the sales velocity of the product and see who is purchasing the products. They want to know um, if the product is being bought by new customers um, and on what occasions. And they're also trying to determine what to name it. So right now they've named it Oatmade, but they're trying to analyze whether using the term Oatmade or using the term plant-based will be the best way to advertise their products. So they're still in the testing phase of all of this. But with time, the company is hoping that, hoping that um, consumer insights will help them determine how to scale up the product, um, when they should launch it, where they should launch it, and who are the key retailers. So this isn't the first time that a big chain candy company enters this plant-based sphere. Uh, Sydney, a few months ago, you wrote about KitKat, um, and they rolled out KitKat V, which is a chocolate made um, with a rice-based milk version of their famous KitKat chocolate. So plant-based chocolate has been around for a while now, and we're now starting to see famous chocolatier companies or candy companies creating these alternatives and adding them to their portfolio, um, showing because of the plant-based market growing. So these companies are increasing and investing a lot of their time to create permanent products to their portfolio that are plant-based. So my question to you guys is, do we think this is a good move by big companies? And will it put a strain on plant-based smaller companies that have already entered this market? Um, if companies such as Hershey's and KitKat are starting to introduce plant-based chocolate, would a vegan choose that chocolate over, you know, a plant-based company's chocolate? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That's a great question and something I always think about whenever big companies launch like vegan versions of, uh, you know, their their famous chocolate bars. Yeah. Um, and I think it truly depends on the type of vegan that they're trying to target because as we've talked about, you know, there are many different reasons why people decide to go plant-based. Sometimes it's purely for their diet. Sometimes it's um, for the environment. Sometimes it's a combination of both. Um, and so I think it really depends. And in this case, I feel like this would target um, people who potentially maybe recently went uh, on a vegan diet and still enjoy the taste of like Hershey chocolate. I know for me, it's like Hershey is kind of like the 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 standard for, for pretty good chocolate. It's used in a lot of baking um, and it's delicious to eat on its own. Um, however, being that it is like a huge chocolate corporation, there are some, there are still some, you know, ethical um, things to think about when you're consuming chocolate from a big corporation. Um, so yeah, that was a long convoluted way of just saying, I think it depends on who they're trying to target. If they're trying to take away, um, you know, consumers from a, a, a purely plant-based chocolate company, I think they're going to really have to emphasize um, where they're sourcing the chocolate from. Um, and, you know, they're going to have to just really go in hard on, on that marketing aspect of it. Um, but I think they chose a great ingredient in terms of oat milk because oat milk is probably the best um, of the plant-based milks, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was going to add on to that. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as you, Sydney. But you know what's interesting to me? The reason I came up with this question is because a lot of my friends who became vegans would always, you know, when they're offering me something to try, they'd always be like, oh my God, this tastes exactly like a Twix right? It's like, oh, this tastes exactly like a Kit Kat or whatever. And they're trying to find alternatives that 
um, are plant-based to their favorite chocolates. So it's interesting to see whether those same people, if they be, were to become vegan now, would they just, you know, get a vegan Kit Kat and be like, hey, look, they have vegan Kit Kat instead of trying to find someone's com someone's chocolate that tastes exactly the same as, you know, a regular Kit Kat. Um, yeah, it comes back, like, to how Sydney was saying, it, it really consumer dependent, like, who you're targeting, um, are, you know, are you talking about those people who are looking for alternatives to their favorite snacks, or chocolate bars in this case, or are you looking for people that um, are looking for more sustainability in their um in, in sort of their food choices. So it really comes down to the consumer. Um, yeah, really interesting question. It's, uh, but I mean, I think it was, it was only a matter of time before these big companies kind of got into this whole game. Um, and it's not so niche anymore, right? Like vegan foods and like plant-based it's, it's so mainstream now that it was only a matter of time before all of these big guns, um, joined in. And yes, I also agree with Sydney that oat milk was probably the best choice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not based on my research, but my sister does, is into a lot of these kinds of, um, you know, alternative um, and better for you kind of products and things like that. So uh, she informed me that oat milk was, was the best by far. So really cool that they decided to pick that. Um, I'm just a little concerned about the name because, you know, Hershey's, I think, they were deciding between oat made or plant-based, right? I just wonder, like, okay, I mean, do you think like oat made might be a turnoff to some people? Kids especially. Like, I can't imagine a kid being like, oh, an oat made, you know, Hershey bar. They're going to be like, ew, you know, like now yeah. we got to have like oat and oat, like, you know, for breakfast, oatmeal, and now I got to have it in my chocolate bar. No way. So it'll be interesting, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that. Like, because when you think of Hershey's chocolate bar, you think of it being an indulgence and things like that. So I think that's the whole thing with this whole better for you arena anyway. Um, it's like you can still enjoy your indulgences, but not feel so bad about them per se. But then, you know, you have some consumers who are like, we're going to go all in because we're up for a treat. So Yeah. No, yeah, like, I, I think both names are actually, in my opinion, I don't think it should be called oatmeal or plant-based. Like, Kit Kat <laughs> named it Kit Kat V, right? Like, vegan. Mm, and they just yeah. eliminated that whole idea. Because, like, if I were to tell my younger brother, yeah. let's have a plant-based chocolate, he's going to be like, I don't want to have fruits and vegetables right now. You know what I mean? Like, that's their instant thought. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know which one they'd go for. But in terms of marketing it, plant-based is more of a trending you know um key phrase than oat made for sure so um i'm not i'm not sure which way they'll sway maybe they can combine the two like yeah. plant made <laughs> <laughs> plant made <I'm> not. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not the most appealing name i think they do whatever they do end up on i guess it was oat made but i think they need to also just make it clear that like it is it is plant-based and i'm sure i couldn't find a picture of uh of the packaging yet and i don't know if that's available yet but i think like that is a very important thing that they have to uh mention because if i saw oat made i wouldn't automatically think that it was plant-based so um yeah it's always tricky to make it known to the consumer without it being like a name that's like, mm, I don't know if that's going to be so good. Um, but yeah. And I also wonder like whether 
you know, how they stack up in taste. Like, I, I really do wonder because Hershey's like chocolate bars are, are so iconic and they're so like delicious. And I'm sure they didn't want to stray too far from, from what it tastes like. But when you're using, um, I'm guessing they're, it, so uh, that's another question I had. Are they using vegan chocolate for it? So they're using um, dark chocolate, sea yeah. salt, and um, to make it extra creamy, almonds. Okay. Um, yeah. And then the base is oats, I guess. Oat milk. Okay. So yeah, yeah. The, I guess the entire thing then is, is, uh, is vegan. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter what I find with, with vegan chocolate, you're always going to kind of get a bit of more bitterness than of milk chocolate, uh, just by virtue of the fact that it's it's dark chocolate. Um, but I think the closer they can get to making it taste as creamy as possible, almonds is a really good addition, I guess, um, then it should be successful. And Hershey knows what they're doing um, in terms of chocolate. So it'll be interesting to see how they compete with, um, with, with other, um, you know, chocolate makers who are making vegan products and also just those vegan chocolate makers as well. Um, I think currently I couldn't even name you one chocolate maker that's just vegan, honestly. Like I, they're, they're much, they're usually much smaller companies. Um, and they tend to have like a a smaller audience. Uh, but I feel like bigger companies like Hershey, um, Lint, Laura Secord, um, they usually tend to dominate the chocolate space no matter what. Yeah, I agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they compete with one another, Mm -hmm. the big blockchains, uh, not big blockchains, but the big companies. Um, and then maybe a different market for the more niche places where you'd find in specialty stores rather than, you know, at your closest convenience store. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like now I'm thinking more about it and hearing your thoughts that, um, you know, these big companies are like the small companies and the big companies are not in direct competition, really, right? They're catering to unique markets, to different markets, really. So I think it'll be okay. Um, you know, Hershey you know, will go with its loyal base. And then you have the other consumers who appreciate and, and want more of um, maybe go to the smaller, um, more niche chocolate makers that specialize in, in vegan chocolate and things like that. So yeah, I think there's room for everyone. Um, I just wonder, uh, so this is just for the chocolate bars so far, right? Like they're not coming out with the vegan Hershey's Kisses, right? <laughs> oh no, I don't think so. But I, yeah. I hope so. I think that's where <laughs> that's where they'll head if the flavor of this chocolate hits off. That's exactly where I think they will head because that's what they're known for is their kisses. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And one last thing that I just thought of is that with with large companies, they usually are able to offer um, plant-based products at a cheaper price point than smaller companies too. So maybe we'll see, yeah, maybe we'll see some of the, um, you know, smaller companies or the the consumers of smaller uh, chocolate brands sort of venture off a little more into into bigger brands. But like I said, it all depends on like why people are plant-based and... um, you know, which companies they're willing to, to purchase from. But with that, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. 
To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media. Email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.